0: blacktivist today's episode trump wins again fake news equals cnn and a very close to home important irl issue but first i'm jim fagan father of a one-year-old named cat along with matthew cullinan father of a cat named ripley and zach bivolo father of matt and i hey guys
1: hey (laughs) hey guys that might be your best your best intro yet
0: all right We're going to kick off with a little rapid fire update of everything. Trump was elected basically a month ago. So, yuck. We said in the very beginning that we were creating this podcast to hold each other accountable. We're still not sure who or if anyone is listening, by the way. If you are listening and enjoying it, please write us a quick review. Apparently, that's important.
1: Where? Where did they write that?
0: On the iTunes.
1: We're on iTunes. iTunes. We are on iTunes.
0: And if you like, subscribe, and write a review, then I can read it uh, as I weep and eat an entire cartoon. I'm going to go
1: do that right now.
0: Okay, Cully, want to start us off with a Trump appointee watch? What's going on in the land of Trump's cabinet
1: appointees? I don't know man. It's it's really I'm I'm going through a really weird experience right now where those initial picks with like Darth Bannon and all those guys were so bad that now all these things come out I'm like, "Oh, this is great." We're just like we're just cruising. We've got like roughly half of the main, you know, cabinet appointments. And an interesting thing happened which is that the Trump supporters now are the ones freaking out because Trump was, you know, like this populist message He's going to drain the swamp, and yet his cabinet's on track to be the wealthiest in history. So many billionaires, you could form a freaking baseball team. Some recent appointments, you know, at his first big rally on his, quote, victory tour in Ohio, Mad Dog Mattis, the defense secretary, was announced, which is fine. You know, he led the successful invasion of Baghdad, if if you want to support that. But, you know, the thing I like, you know what's great? Trump was all like, torture, 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 and he's like, give me a pack of smokes and uh, some beer, and I'll do a better job. So who knows?
0: He was the general who would weighed in that torture was not an effective way to get information out of people, and that was basically enough for Trump to be like, oh, okay, sounds good.
1: Exactly, which is great that hope, but hopefully enough people like give like good evidence that it'll uh, it'll turn things around.
0: It is it is great to hear that. It is maybe a little disconcerting that whoever has most recently spoken with the president elect is the one who influences national policy, which brings us back around to Steve Bannon, which brings us back around to the people that I think alarm everybody more. But at least. If uh, we are able to dilute who the real baddies are and they float to the surface, we can still focus on on who we're keeping a watchful eye on and who we're complaining about.
1: Sorry. Absolutely. Silver lining. He got Trump to disavow torture. If you want to look at the dark side of things, though, the Mm secretary of defense is meant to be a civilian, right? Because you don't want a general influencing military policy, right? It's all, it, it feels very insidery. So he only retired three years ago. You're supposed to be retired for seven years. So you are acclimated to civilian life. He's going to get a waiver from Congress to let him be the Secretary of Defense. There's there's the bad side of things.
0: So what so, you're saying is his role in the Trump administration is going to be like Jeremy Renner in the Hurt Locker when he's in the cereal aisle and he can't choose the cereal.
1: Yes, except that is going to be him choosing uh, Trump ties or something. That's not even funny. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> um, moving on oh. in the cabinet. Moving on I'm in the cabinet. That in. I'm leaving right. that in. Feel free. Uh, we're getting to. Uh, let's get to the billionaires now. Okay. So, um, Steve Numchucks or Steve Munchkin. I can't pronounce his name. Uh, has been. Uh, but I like Numchucks or Munchkin. Still so I'm still workshopping him. So Treasury Secretary. He's appointed a guy named Steve Munchkin or, or maybe it's uh, Nunchucks, I can't spell his last name. It's got a weird silent M at the beginning. It's very either, either Numchucks or Munchkin.
0: That's what you're telling us?
1: That's, that's what's easiest for me to remember. This
0: is a nice time for me to jump in and remind you all that you shouldn't be getting your news from the slack of this podcast.
1: Yeah, so here's your, here's your slack action for the week. Go learn how to say his name. You may know him as the producer of the hit films, Lego Movie, How to Be Single, and of course, Suicide Squad, which uh, is what this cabinet is shaping up to be. So, you know, you're like, okay, cool, that guy, he's a Hollywood guy, he's an outsider. Okay, he's also a billionaire. He also, back during the whole mortgage crisis, bought a mortgage company and when the economy collapsed, foreclosed on 36,000 families and made $1.5 billion. So, Silver Lining makes great movies. Dark Side, kind of a douchebag. Treasury Secretary Betsy DeVos. So here's another person. She's an outsider. She's from Michigan. She's married to the billionaire owner of Amway. So she's a billionaire. She has ties to education. She's a big champion of charter schools and the, and voucher programs. You know, I'd be a little worried she's like one of those reformed Christians who believes in creationism. Now, I don't know if that's going to mean there's creationism in school, but it's worth being worried about. I, I just think, you know, what's worri- worrisome to me is this is someone who sent her kids to private school, so why would she care about public schools?
0: This is somebody who represents what? politicians are always accused of doing yet again, the same old thing that Trump is putting into a position of power. He's not making liberals happy. He's not making his base happy. We're off to a great start.
1: Absolutely. And you know, like her her whole thing is like, if I drink Pepsi, why do I care what Coke is doing? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to just make everything Pepsi.
0: And anybody who, anybody who drinks Pepsi over Coke is a sociopath.
1: So two last quick hits. Health and Human Services Secretary, you know, Trump's all about repealing a, repealing and replacing Obamacare. Tom Price, he's a former orthopedic surgeon. You're like, this is great. God, I love doctors figuring out doctor shit, right? Okay, that's cool. But he also, you know wants to gut Medicare and Medicaid and all that, all that crazy stuff. And then for transportation secretary, we're going for a real outsider pick here. We're going for Elaine Chow. You maybe have never heard of her. She was George W. Bush's labor secretary and is married to mighty Mitch McConnell. So really, really stretching on that outsider pick there.
2: What I want to say is that there are some people uh, really excited about Trump's pick and it's the good people over at Fox News. And they're actually congratulating Trump and his team because he's actually ahead of the game and appointing the most people to a cabinet since Richard Nixon. Oh, um, good, because, good. You know, yeah, as an incoming president, the one person you want to be compared to is uh, Nixon. I hope he's as good a president as Nixon was. It's a <laughs> right. very low bar for um, hit. To hit. Uh, I hope there's also an Oscar-bait film in 20 years, like Trump Blitzer. But there's going to be 4,000 political appointments made by this Trump administration, right? We can't fight every single one individually with just our phone calls. And what we need to do is we need to vote for the senators who can fight them. We need to either move to red states and start our lives over again and vote there, or we need to donate to those Democrats in those red states.
0: Whoa, Zach, what? An awesome transition. Uh, So let's do a quick update on Foster Campbell's Senate campaign. You may remember this as the thing that I clung to, like jack onto the door that there should have definitely been room on, but Rose would not let him try more than once to get up there. Like, no, we gave it the old college try. Uh, This is how I'm feeling about Foster Campbell's Senate campaign.
1: So are you saying you're still on or you fell off?
0: No, I'm saying, like, I'm trying to scramble on top of this campaign, and the Democratic Party and the rest of the world feels like it's just kicking me off the door and being like, there's no room up here. He's not going to win. So let me just give everybody a quick update. Um, Foster Campbell running against his Republican rival, Kennedy, not of the famous Kennedys, in Louisiana for a runoff that will decide the final up-for-grab Senate seat of the first two years of the Trump administration, a chance for the Democrats to pull within two votes of flipping votes in the Senate. So it would seem like, wow, what an important opportunity. So here's the update. Left Coast West Coast elitists and East Coast elitists have all poured in their support for this campaign to the tune of $2.5 million raised, the majority of which was raised by donors outside of the state. So what does that mean? It means, yay, kudos, we've all given it the old college try, we've all kind of tried to raise our voice and say this is important. That's a lot of money to raise for a local Senate race. Mike Pence has taken notice, and he's begun campaigning for Kennedy in New Orleans, whereas Foster Campbell is in New Orleans visiting a punk club, offering to buy all the millennials hamburgers when they get to Washington. And everybody basically across the country is saying there's no real path for him. In the meantime, Kennedy is actually a former Democrat who supported John Kerry. Campbell apparently owns more guns than anybody else in the state of Louisiana. However, Campbell is the person who is beginning to provide a link to how Democrats can regain some of their constituency in the Rust Belt, in rural America, in unions, because he is the one talking loud and clear about how Republicans have captured this vote, and yet they never do anything for these people. And that is a message that could really resonate for everyone in Louisiana. So what does all this word salad mean? It means there is a New York Times article that's definitely worth reading. It means that I am left wondering. Have we sort of run our course on everything that is doable for us on this election? Zach and Matt, I ask you, are we being coastal elitists about this election? Is it time to let the state of Louisiana decide their
2: own affairs? I would love to bring the heat for this, but, you know, maybe, maybe we should get our grubby little mitts out of this situation and let the state decide for itself. Yeah,
0: I feel a little bit like it's not like the donations were a waste of time. He now has some money to run campaigns, and honestly, this is a national issue. It it affects our Senate, and it affects how things are run on a federal level, and we are right to feel like there's one last opportunity for checks and balances on the president-elect. However, I do believe that there's a point in which you've done all you can right? I, I want to frame this carefully as not a reprimand, but as saying it might be time to spend your money and your resources in other places. And now it's up to Foster, Foster Campbell and his campaign to take the money they have, run with it, and see what they can do. And we watch from a distance. Are
1: you saying to like move on just because everyone's donated money, everyone's donated time? Because everyone always, every Senate campaign nationally, you know, if you donate to the Democratic Party, that's going to Senate campaigns. You're putting money towards other... Campaigns that may not be for your senators, so I don't think there's really an issue with with donating to a senator. That is your right as an American citizen because of the very open campaign finance laws. You can donate to whomever the hell you want. Uh, so I don't really see an issue there. I mean, should Louisiana decide, sure, uh, I, I guess so, and they will. So I don't really feel bad about throwing a little money their way to to get the guy who at least will caucus with you know my side of the aisle. Right. So I guess Matt,
0: the question becomes. Is this something that we should be fighting to the bitter end, involving ourselves in, volunteering, calling, donating money? Is it something we should just be watching? It feels in some ways dangerously close to what I'm always talking about, which is, great, that was really popular two weeks ago, now we're done. On the other hand, like Zach said, it does feel like it, it may be time to see what happens.
1: Yeah, I think, we and we will see what happens soon enough, right? It's it's only a week away at this
0: Right, point, early voting has begun.
1: So, you know, I I think... I've always had misgivings about calling Louisianans and being like, "Hey, I'm I'm from New York. Uh, you should vote for this guy because I heard he's good." I think I think all of that stuff should always be left up to the people locally because they're gonna know the base. They're going to know what will speak to them, both you know, economically and socially and culturally. If you have money, give it, sure. Great.
0: With that in mind, I think it's good with a month gone by to check in a little bit. The donations are mattering. ACLU has been bringing the heat against Trump. We have seen... I got my personal card in the mail uh, as a, a ACLU supporter. It, it felt very good. Um, we've seen Sierra Club start up a special pro-environment campaign against Trump with their funds that they've raised. So I think it's just important to point out your donations are working. Keep it up. If you haven't signed up for a monthly donation yet, go for it. Remember, Tuesday was Giving Tuesday, basically the way to make yourself feel better about all the money you spewed out. The holiday season is approaching. If you're one of the people who feels like, gosh, I really don't need anything, maybe consider asking people to make donations in your name, the people who really want to do something for you for the holidays anyway and you don't want any gifts. Maybe if you have older members of your family who are hard to buy for who would really appreciate it, maybe they would love a donation made in their name. These are some things maybe to think about on that point moving forward. But we are going to head into our selection for the week with a topic about CNN and whether or not they are real news or fake news. Uh, But first, let's hear a little bit from our sponsor, OldPrinters.com. Matt, can you tell us a little bit about (laughs) OldPrinters.com?
1: OldPrinters.com. I mean, this is a service that I've been using for years. Sometimes your printers get a little too old and they're not able to have the kind of faculty they had before. Their uh, their printing slows, their ink dries up, and they need to go to a better place. Well, oldprinters.com. You send them your old printers, and they actually take them to a retirement facility where, uh, you know, they feed them little little dollops of ink every day. They, you know, take them out in the sun to uh, to to print their little inkjet hearts out. Um, it's a really great service, and uh, no need to pay for anything. They pick it up. They take the printers, and they take them to a better place. All you have to do is go to oldprinters.com, fill in the form, and see if they can help the printer in your life.
0: Yeah, they make you do that weird printing test on your printer from there where it just spits out colorful barcodes. So that's kind of like one last hurrah for your printer before they ship it away to what I think is actually re- resembles The Giver or Logan's Run. Like, the, do the printers actually go to a special place, or are they just kind of murdered in a ritualistic ceremony?
1: They go to a special place, right? I was told they go to to a facility in Pennsylvania.
0: Oldprinters.com.
1: Okay, where do they go? Where do they go? (laughs) Let's
0: take a look at Trump's big win. Oh, boy. Trump saved a 1,000 jobs at Carrier Plant in Indiana. They were threatening to move jobs to Mexico. Trump said, no, we are making America great again, and you're going to sit here and like it. And, of course, everybody was immediately talking about what a huge win for Trump. He's keeping a 1,000 jobs in Indiana. Look, I'm a realist at this point. There's no way to convince everyone who is going to see this in 140 characters and decide, okay, Trump's approval rating's going up. He's making America great again. Here's the proof. Uh, What I do want to talk about a little bit is a David Axelrod tweet. David Axelrod, former uh, head of Obama's campaign, a CNN correspondent now, who tweeted, quote, Without knowing details of what was promised, any fair reading is that the carrier intervention is a good early win for at real Donald Trump. I saw this and just felt like we needed to immediately start the hashtag without seeing the details. This is, to me, the perfect exemplification of how CNN has become one of the biggest arbitrators of the fake news, of the instant analysis of the irresponsible reporting. This is the kind of thing that he is saying in the tweet, I don't actually know what happened, but it's not only fair to say that Trump has won here. Why is it fair? Why why is that what we should be expecting from, I'm sorry, this man is now a journalist, or maybe it is more indicative of the fact that we should not be taking people who are not journalists, who do not have journalistic integrity, and putting them on news networks and Putting them on I, I, footing with I do.
1: I do have a question. Is he a, is he a commentator or is he does he have his own show? What's his deal there?
0: He is a regular commentator on Anderson Cooper, who was very present throughout the election campaign cycle. And I, I don't mean to be piling onto him. I think that this is truthful of everybody's immediate gut reaction to this. Uh, seemingly just wow, so positive. Here's lots of praise, and it reminds me a lot of when Obama. And Trump met, and Trump came right out and said, hey, you know, I'm going to keep some of the nice parts of Obamacare. And everybody was like, oh, this is amazing and great, and let's just support it. And these little nuggets of Trump wins. Trump also came out this week and said in his tweeting-gasms that he has things about how many illegals voted, but also things about how he was indeed going to divest his business interests. And we, I think, are taking these little bits of positive news and wearing them as little security blankets and not seeing the reality of what is happening. And the journalists are the people that we should be turning to to immediately call for what that reality is.
1: Okay, well, you covered a lot of things. I don't know exactly which point you want me to hit. First of all, I'll say this. We've since found out that the carrier deal, they're actually only saving 1,000 of a potential, I think, over 2,100 jobs that were supposed to leave the country. So there's still more jobs leaving than are staying, right? And we also know now mm-hmm. that Trump, who was talking tough and he said there's going to be real, you, you try to move, you, you, you try to move, I don't know, that's a John F. Kennedy. You try to move jobs out of this country? And you are going to have hell to pay. Well, the hell to pay that they ended up having to pay was seven million dollars in tax cuts. So, not really that threatening, and also now a very easy uh, playbook for anyone who just wants to get rich quick. Oh, this actually is a good time to mention that this activist podcast is moving to Mexico next year, unless we get twenty-five dollars a week and some gift cards to Pret a Manger. Uh, uh, we could so, be caught with cookies. <laughs> Great. Uh, literally, right. actually, um, just, just mention us by name and we'll be happy. But I think there's an important conversation here to have about journalists and commentators. And commentators are what most people see and respond to on CNN, on MSNBC. Rachel Maddow is a journalist. Megan Kelly is a journalist. David Axelrod the commentator and so he has no journalistic integrity he has he's not beholden to standards of journalism he's meant to talk opinion right like that is the this whole ever since crossfire right the whole point of cable news has been to argue and to create drama and to stir up uh excitement and energy and not necessarily facts So I think it's an important distinction to
2: separate journalists from commentators. He's listed on their website as a senior political commentator. It's not like his opinions are just like these things that kind of float through the air. Like they're giving him a lot of gravity and a lot of gravitas. He's not just like an Internet troll, right? And I think the thing about the carrier deal that should make everyone really nervous is that the tax breaks are the things making the company stay. And who puts the bill when a company gets tax breaks? It's the tax. That's exactly the kind of deal this is. And now nobody wants a new sports stadium to open up in their city because they know it's a terrible deal for the people who actually live there. Executives get rich. Hot dog vendors get to work eight more Sundays a year. And parking becomes impossible. And that's Trump's economic plan. He wants to distract us with bread and games just like President Snow on the Hunger Games.
0: So what kind of flexion can we take on this? This is sort of a weird, helpless feeling. It kind of links into the fake news uh, battle that has actually turned in and of itself into a source of fake news. It's this horrible snake that seems to eat itself, but it is this idea that people are getting their news primarily from Facebook uh, and primarily from Twitter, and opinions become facts and commentators become journalists, and I I completely agree with you, Matt, but I feel like the lines all get blurred, right? So what can we do? Um, The first thing that you can do, we've said it ad nauseum, but I think you can make the active decision to change the channel. You can turn off CNN, and you can turn to legitimate, respectful newspapers, and I'm not just saying left leaning papers like the New York Times, although I believe that they're more unbiased than others, but also right-leaning papers like the Wall Street Journal, the places where you can get real facts that are fact-checked. The other thing that you can do is write on Facebook. There is something that exists already, like an old-school spam filter, a little arrow in the top right corner, and if you see something that's fake news, whether it's liberal or whether it's conservative, click on that little arrow. Go down, report this post, and there's a button right there that says this is fake news. This is something you can do immediately to start cleaning up your newsfeed.
2: I think it's actually really funny that there are a lot of people who see this as censorship, alt-right, white supremacist trolls. And the white nationalist leader, Richard B. Spencer, he actually, you know, Reddit is cracking down in addition to Facebook. And he left Reddit for this other company called Gab because Gab promises zero censorship. This is the sort of stuff that was on Reddit. Reddit erased a community called Pizzagate. Because conspiracy theorists have gathered to tell lies about Democratic pedophiles operating out of a D.C. pizzeria. Reddit shut that down. On Gab, where this guy moved to, this topic is trending 24 hours a day. Things like kneeling for the flag, universities, safe spaces, uh, flag burning, that's all being mocked. And those rights are being threatened. But actual Nazi propaganda conspiracies and salutes are okay here. This is why it's important to go on Facebook and report these things.
0: We forget that Donald Trump is like 97 years old. Donald Trump is unbelievably old. Try to imagine your father or grandfather or grandmother or somebody who just has suddenly this unprecedented access to people and who is using Twitter. Imagine the way your own parents use social media. (laughs) and and it's applying to our president-elect. I think this accounts for some of the weirdness and no one, I I am aware I get super ageist in this podcast all the time, but this accounts for some of the weirdness in a way that no one really has been talking about.
1: You know those mobile alerts that you're like, in the dead of night, you get them and you're freaking out and it's like, oh, heavy rain starting in 25 minutes, be careful. Yeah. Like from your phone coming, he's gonna have access to that. (laughs) <laughs> Where like the president can send messages, so he's getting like his own private Twitter.
0: I actually hope he runs the blizzard alerts though. Like nor'easter coming through, bad move, you know. Yeah, like, it's a move. big nor'easter.
1: It's a great nor'easter. All my friends tell me it's going to be an epic nor'easter. We're going to forego
0: our final fake sponsor of the week to talk about a very serious topic that hit close to home this week. Uh, it's a topic of domestic violence. It affected Zach. It affected Zach's community this week in a very real personal way. Zach is going to talk about that and talk about what we can do. And when I say what we can do, I do mean we are three men. Again, we really want to bring in other perspectives. We very badly wanted to bring a woman on this week to talk about this with us. But the truth of the matter is it's called slack of us for a reason. We're super disorganized. We scramble, and we get on the phone, and we talk about the things that we need to talk about, and so what we're going to do this week is discuss um, what our IRL action, our in real life action, can be in a way that relates to this horrible tragedy. Um, Zach, why don't you let everybody know kind of what's been going on this week in your life and the life of your organization?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, As Jim said, this is something very close to home, very tragic as well, and I feel like you know I wrote on Facebook that I thought it needed a trigger warning because there is domestic violence, and suicide, and gun violence. So uh, halfway through this week, one of my students—I've talked about my students on the podcast before—I work for a fellowship. I run their communications, but I mentor a lot of the uh, students as well. And so one of the best and brightest, uh, Aaron Rains, she was found murdered by her boyfriend in Washington Heights. You know, Aaron had just uh, finished her fellowship in. South Africa, a country that you always dreamed of going. She was incredibly brilliant and driven and talented. She had a really high GPA. She started her own nonprofit program uh, for young girls. It was this body positive program called Think Pink. She was everything you would want a young person to be. She was hardworking. She was humble, eager, curious. She was really confident in herself. She was confident in her own ambitions. And for reasons that don't matter frankly her boyfriend decided to end her life and then he took his own life we had a lot of the fellows over to the office last night as well to just sort of like share in their grief and their mourning and to try to process this horrible horrible tragedy and Aaron was one of the the best students in New York City and you know I'm not going to try to like be incendiary here but you know maybe if she was a white girl from the suburbs this would be national news but she wasn't and it isn't i would love to be able to just celebrate her achievements on their own but her incredible life that was full of achievement was cut really short. And I think, you know, the IRL action that we always talk about, like, what can you do in real life? That's more than just getting, like, something to have more Facebook likes. Or what can you do? That's more than donating money. And I think, You know, when it comes to domestic violence, there's a lot that we can do, especially guys talking to each other. If you see domestic violence, obviously call the cops. You know, don't just talk to someone about it. Don't just call someone out on it. Call the cops. If you hear guys making jokes about domestic violence or beating women or just supporting it in any way, call that person out and have a serious conversation with them about how that's not okay. And that by joking about it, they're implicitly like giving permission for other guys to do it. And that's never okay. If you need a hotline to call because one of your loved ones or one of your friends is in a a situation, the hotline is 1-800-799-7233. Also, Aaron's organization, Think Pink, is actually going to continue on without her. Uh, So it's going to continue to have life. And we don't know all the details yet about who's going to be sort of picking up the torch. We think that her best friend might. Some of the Watson fellows have also come forward and said that they want to help out. And, um, you know, in the future, as we get more details, I hope that some of our maybe factions or IRLs will be maybe you can donate to ThinkPink, keep it alive. Maybe you could become a mentor to ThinkPink. If you are really high up in the world of politics or business, maybe you can become a board member. And I think also, you know, this speaks to support the young women in your life, all the way from grade school uh, through college. You know, they're going through a lot all the time, and the world can be a very scary place for them. Always believe them, always trust them, and always just keep an eye out for them and look out for them.
0: Beautifully beautifully said, and we're so sorry. It's hard in this exact circumstance. There isn't the right thing to say other than how horrible Mm -hmm. this is and how not okay this is. Um, something that's coming to mind, Zach, is something you said about the women's march on Washington on the 21st. Uh, you pointed Mm -hmm. out how a way for specifically men, uh, privileged men to go about this is, is not to try to always grab the lead. It's to be supportive. It's, and it, it has, been something that I've been thinking about a lot since Matt. You talked about how you go to these demonstrations and you sometimes you just stand in the crowd to show your number is counted and you let you support the people who are are cheering loudly with their voice. So uh, I, I, I do,
1: think, I do do that.
0: So I I do think <laughs> you know it's um it's interesting when you say to support the women in your, in your life, Zach. It, that's the way to support it is sometimes. By, I guess, whatever your version is of standing with them, of um, n- not necessarily taking over something that they are doing, but really trying to bolster it up. Um, and, you know, and then with each other, I think it, it can't be stated enough how, you know, and this, was, this goes back to that locker room talk thing, how you can make a difference immediately with the the, Hey, that's not funny with the, Hey, that's not cool.
2: Yeah. And I just want to clarify that. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to like be a white knight in this situation and that I'll be the first to admit I haven't always been the best ally and supporter of women, especially through my like early twenties. And if you kind of feel like, Hey, I can't do that because I'd be a hypocrite. Like I was sort of in that position as well. And the, the fact of the matter is like, you can change, you can make that decision yourself to be different and to overcome those past wrongs. And if you think about the things that you said about women in the past and they make you cringe, that's a good thing. That means that you're, like, growing and changing. So, Zach,
1: uh, if, if, if people want to take a selection this week, what is kind of uh, the summation of, of, of what the options are?
2: The first one is, you know, if you see domestic violence happening, you call the police. Um, if you know of someone or you yourself need a hotline to call, Uh, The Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. There's also a network of women's shelters. Uh, You can find out about them at womenshelters.org. You can find more information about there about either signing up yourself, about donating, about volunteering. Um, So that could be something that you do and maybe, you know, And when we talk, we also are like, encourage the people around you to do this with you as well, because you're more likely to do things if you have your peer group holding you accountable for it. So I just want to say one more thing, and that's, I had mentioned that we had students in the office last night, and everyone trying to figure out how to grieve and mourn and overcome their anger and process this. And towards the end of the evening, one of the young women um, said, and this is also a very common issue with all of our students, that she herself is dealing with depression, and that when she found out the news about Aaron, all she wanted to do was climb into a hole and just stay there and not interact with the world. And then she said, you know, what would Aaron do? And Aaron would go out and be part of it. And she would interact with the community and try to make change and try to help get people through it. And I think that's also like kind of a beautiful metaphor for everything we've all been experiencing since November 9th, right? It's very easy to just kind of like feel like I just want to crawl back into my hole and like put my head in the sand and pretend this isn't happening, that people aren't going to lose their rights, that we're not going to go backwards 50 years. And like, what would Erin do? She went out and started her own nonprofit to help girls. Take action. It takes commitment. It takes accountability yourself and it takes high standards. That's my impassioned plea to everyone this week.
0: Okay. Okay. So It's been a, another big week, a lot of important things covered. The very last thing we want to kind of say is a little bit of slashing that you can take with you and do as soon as you end this podcast. If you haven't done so yet, there's a Facebook group called Pantsuit Nation. We've talked about it in the past. It playfully built up around Hillary Clinton supporters and her wonderful pantsuits. Uh, it has grown into this kind of massive grassroots organization. And if you haven't yet joined it, gone to Facebook, joined the group Pantsuit Nation. I cannot encourage you enough to do so. There is a story there that makes me feel more confident, that emboldens me and brings me to tears almost every single day there are amazing stories of people of what they're trying to do ideas are being generated there it feels like the beginning of something very special and it feels like the sort of place where you are not alone uh zach matt are you guys members of pantsuit nation
1: oh yeah yeah man and here's the catch though it's a secret group so you need one of your friends to invite you to join You you remember how i added you jim I, I do remember that. You're right. You did add me. So if, you know the real sploshing here is reach out to your friends and be like, yeah, yeah. Anyone got to hook up with the with them pantsuits? I need a yep. I need a
0: pantsuit. So with that in mind, like, follow, share, subscribe. I said it in the beginning, I'll say it again. Um, We just do this to hold each other accountable, but we will be more accountable to do it if more people are listening and and engaging in the conversation with us. So please, please join us in the slack nation. Go out there, uh, make the world a slightly better place for yourself and the people around you this week. And, uh, you know, happy, uh, the sign-offs are always so bad, slack Get slack, slack to it.
2: Give me some slack.
0: Slack, slack time. Slack network. Slack. It's gonna be our thing. That the sign. New York Picture oh,
2: Company production.
0: Oh, it's a New York, York Picture Company, oh, Company production. Matthew, why don't you help a little bit instead of always just sitting back and watching the sign-off screen uh, crash into the station?
1: Uh, slack a mole.